Hi listeners, um, welcome to the meeting room. We haven't done a podcast in a while um, and Karen and I haven't done a podcast in a while. So welcome to the meeting room, um, a safe space, a brave space for having the hard conversations around um, anti-racism. Hi Karen. Hi Hayley. We haven't, we, we actually haven't spoken um, about our journey in a while. So no. we realized we've interviewed quite a few people. Um, I think we did the first podcast, which yeah. was about a year ago. Um, and listeners, today we thought, um, since the meeting room is just short of two years, that we would reflect on some of our learnings and some of the insights we've, and just have a conversation about it. Um, yeah, so yeah, if I think about the meeting room, Karen, did firstly, did you have expectations? And if, if you did, like, what mm. were the expectations when we... When we thought about creating mm. the space. Mm. Yeah, um, I think I am the kind of person who is a little bit of an idealist. So in in all of these kinds of spaces where one could have expectations, I think I always tend to over-expect. Mm. So I expect the ideal. I expect something bigger and more, more than perhaps could be and so i have to i have to often manage my disappointment mm. but so so but that doesn't mean that i feel disappointed with the meeting room it just means that i think with any of these very difficult um journeys like in areas of say transformation or um where you're wanting change to happen mm. I think it's more realistic to understand that that is a journey and that it's messy and that sometimes you go one step forward and three steps back mm. or, you know, something like that. And actually it's like walking a hilly countryside mm. or it's it's like going in a circle and coming back to something that you thought you'd put mm. to bed or you'd, you'd kind of reconciled. You mm. might have to come back and grapple again with something. Um, and so that's kind of how I operate as a person. And so w when we came, when we come to the, when we came to the meeting room, I think, uh, so the one, on the one hand, I was pleasantly surprised that, that people wanted to do the work of anti-racism, um, in our supposedly post-apartheid South African context. So that was su a surprising thing. Um, and... Yeah, I think I kind of expected that maybe bigger things would mm. come, and I think that they may, mm. but um, I think what I failed to acknowledge is how difficult it is to change one's thinking on these very deep issues like mm. racism, like... Um, well, they entrenched of our country. Yeah, yeah. entrenched thinking. Yeah. But I was also thinking, uh, in a way, I can understand why you're an idealist. A, you've been on this journey longer than mm. most women in the group, um, but also you are fully submerged mm. in this journey. In that you, this is not the only space mm. in which you're active in. Mm. And I realize for some of the ladies, it's a dipping of the mm. of their toes in the water, mm. and mm. so mm. they sort of at the beginning stage. Yeah, that um, does make sense. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, they wouldn't necessarily 
Yeah, they wouldn't know what the expectations would be, I think. Yeah. Whereas, whereas because you've been on longer and you've seen evidence of change in your thinking, mm. um, I could understand why you would have those expectations. Mm. So I think the, 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 the surprising joy mm. of the women who are in the meeting room is, um, is that they're there at all. So I'll, I'll give you a little example of that. I, so... Um, I became a, a Christian in my early 20s and um, we had, my husband, and uh, well he wasn't my husband at the time, but we had already been very actively involved in um, political work in our country, particularly in the ANC um, um, up in Joburg and it was like the early 90s, late, early 90s. And so I became a Christian and I remember very clearly, we joined a church, a big church up in Joburg um, and I, I remember very clearly meeting uh, Christian white people in that church and them being racist. And I remember my thought process was, oh, well, they're white people. What could you expect other than that? And so I'd kind of just, which is very also stupid, I'd kind of um, in my mind just created this narrative um, that, well, white people couldn't change the way that they thought about black people, colored people. They just were stuck in this space and there was nothing that could be done, which actually is not true. And so that is the surprising joy of the meeting room, that that these women, being the different ages that they are, and not being particularly young women, I mean, they're not old ladies, but they're, they're age. middle-aged ladies, yeah. yeah, who are privileged and comfortable and have had many of the, the things that um, white, privileged South Africans have, actually chose mm. to be on this journey and that is a surprising joy mm. Mm. I think what about you Haley? so I am I think cynical by nature so I, I almost, we're completely opposite <laughs> I so I, I am cynical so for me it would be there was a question that needed to be answered mm. um, because on the one hand I thought almost like you oh, really you know like, we've been through this, um, what is going to change now? So I was very pleasantly surprised that actually these ladies have journeyed with us for nearly mm. two years. And on the other hand, so it was like, an, I almost felt a bit bipolar. On the one hand, I'm like totally cynical. And on the other hand, I think, like, what if we grasped the vision that Jesus had for, mm. for humanity, mm. you know, for the church? Um, it goes back to our earlier questions. Mm. Like, what would this look like? if we truly regarded each other or saw each other through the eyes of Jesus. Mm. And that, so because I believe he can't be wrong, um, it was interesting to see. And I mean, we've certainly seen, and then, then the surprises, much like you, mm. that you see the shifts, um, you see the aha moments, and because and often you and I are not great at recording this, but we could, you see mm. the growth mm. in, in women. And even though it's tiny steps, um, you are surprised by it. Um, what was also surprising to me, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. And the time I grew up in, you know, kind of politics in the church, we weren't quite where Reverend Alan Busak was. You know, politics in the church... We kind of drank that, that Kool-Aid, didn't, didn't go together. And so I would say we were, we were, even though we were experiencing racism, we were quite a apolitical family. Um, and for me, 
then in 2020 suddenly for this to click and for me to become so impassioned about being in the space mm. and changing narratives was also a surprise mm. um and yeah so so it, it was pleasant surprises but i can't say i went in with expectations i mm. probably went more i went in more with questions mm. Mm. Um, mm. okay let me ask you the next yeah. question so um if we think of these past two years what are moments of what are memorable moments for you that stand out? Um, I don't know if I can pick one. Because mm. I think it's those moments when we were having the conversations. And because they happened over many workshops mm. or over many get-togethers, we were having these honest conversations with women saying, you know, I, I don't understand or I never knew this was happening or how can... And where there were tears and where there were laughter and where suddenly they were challenging what they've always believed. And I think that has happened over um, quite a few sessions, including the visit to the Tutu mm. Foundation um, last week. And I think the District 6, not the District 6 Museum, yes, the one up, up the book and the walk. The walk, mm. the, the, the church, church walk, walk around Cape Town was, was very memorable for me yeah. because, I mean, I kind of knew some of this mm. stuff, um, but for women to hear that and then suddenly realize that we do need to lament. Mm. Um, and so they've been, there's that. And also what I, I, I enjoyed was when women came to the meeting room, um, get-togethers to say actually you know I'm not in a great space mm. because of XYZ and yet they pitched mm. and so for me it just shows that there's a community being built um, <clears throat> and so that was great mm. that that mm. besides it being we all in this anti-racism journey I think if I had to hold on to one thing is that we, we we've built a community mm. Mm. That's true. I, I would I would um, agree with with all of that, because the thing is that we we did start doing one thing. So it's like it's like you've all joined a swimming club. Yeah. So we're going to swim, but actually, mm. what landed up happening happening is that friendships have been built, mm. um, and people have been seen, which is part of practicing doing that with yeah. people who are different from yeah. us. So that has been a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I think for me it was, um, look, I love going to um, museums and, mm. and, and um, you know, any kind of mm. clay, space that has, has a, a sort of historical thing. Mm. So that, that is a great joy. I love doing that. Um, but I think it's, it's watching the ladies overall um, shift their, their lens mm. through the things that we've done. So... Um, the memorable things for me are all of those things that you've said mm. that were very deeply personal. But overall, it was watching these beautiful women um, shift their glasses mm. and and adjust them mm. and um, re-look at something through a different perspective and start asking, like some of the questions we would ask in the beginning, we no longer need to ask. People are asking that of themselves. Yes. And so they've kind of taken ownership of that mm. themselves and in other, using what they learned in the meeting room in other spaces. Mm. So that has been so profound. Like, mm. um, you know, you, we don't even know what's happening, but you'll hear this little thing, oh, over here yeah. I'm doing this and that. 
that is through um, having begun this journey yeah. here. So it's grown outside of the meeting room, yeah. which is so encouraging. Yeah. So encouraging. I think also the involvement with um, Sinotando uh, and yeah, yeah. Sanokando. Um, I think just having um, that we, we are we're not just only doing an academic mm, exercise mm. where we challenging theories and narratives but we're also looking at okay how in which spaces mm. can we make the lives of others better yeah. or can we do restitution mm, or mm, restore and so I like that mm. that it has both a uh, uh, yes, a theoretical component mm. because you know we're reading and watching, but it also has a very um, practical mm. component. Mm. So. Which was part of the community stuff because the thing is, anti-racism work as an individual mm. is necessary. We have yeah. to challenge our yeah. own thinking, the way we interact yeah. with ourselves and with other people. But that is also part of a community yeah. work. Yeah. And it also has an outworking in real life, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's been been quite precious, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a real wrestling because, you know, the, none yes. of this stuff is easy. It's always, like on paper, it's like, okay, this yeah. is academically, yes, yeah. that's how it's supposed to be. But then when you've got to actually really work it out, yeah. and, it's and, not easy. And then seeing, seeing something pop up in your own yes. life and think, yeah. but I know this, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I know that... And yet you're thinking those thoughts to realize that actually yeah. we need to revisit it. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the frustrating, and I know we're getting into the next question, which is like, what are some of the challenges? challenges. I think because we are, our nature is to simplify things mm. so that we can understand, but we forget that we're dealing with human beings. Mm. And we're dealing with histories and we're dealing with entrenched beliefs. And that this is like very nuanced. Mm. And so the light bulb can go on, even for ourselves. Mm. And then suddenly we forget, mm. you know, in a month's time. And so to realize that you, you need to keep on, you need to keep it in front of you. You need to keep whatever the injustice is in as as difficult and uncomfortable as it is, you, you cannot forget mm. because then you slip into, um, mm. you can be, yeah, apathy almost. Mm. And, and I think mm. for me that's, and living where we, we do, mm. where it's very middle class, southern suburb space, it's easy to forget, mm. you know. Um, so it's forcing yourself to engage mm. on various levels, be it what you're reading, what you're watching, who are you hanging out with? Mm. And so it's a it's a very intentional um, journey. You can't. It's not. It doesn't happen by osmosis. Um, and 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 I think that's the, you know even though we involved in the meeting room, it's making sure that that how we live out the rest of our lives mm. in other areas are are in line with what we've learnt and what insight we've gained mm. um, which is always which is sometimes very hard because you like i think okay, if i learn the lesson once mm. then it should be there you know why am i still mm. like slipping back into that way of thinking or the frustration mm. yeah yeah and um uh, what you were saying there about it being intentional because um charlene swatz um so listeners we've been doing charlene swatz's book um another country which is such a great 
that book we highly recommend it. Um, and she talks about becoming conscious. Mm. And I think that's it. It's that you wake yourself up um, through this work mm. and then that new way of thinking becomes your norm. Mm. Mm. So you, it's not like you, and we do opt out, we can mm. opt out of consciousness, but the idea is that you ultimately will reshape the way you think mm. and operate as a person. Mm. Be fully human, actually. Mm. Um, but that works has to be intentional, and it's not easy. Mm. And it has to be done it's in not, community. Yeah. So but I think one thing that was really challenging mm. to me, for me, was that women became overwhelmed sometimes become overwhelmed and because they think they have to do this on their own yes there's individual work but also this community mm. that this well sometimes it feels like this burden of justice mm. it doesn't just sit on your shoulders alone there's a community mm. around you and i think i think it's it's that sometimes it's challenging when they think they they are, are doing this all on their own mm. and having to deal with this mm. all on their own yeah, and I, that's so interesting that you say that because part of what the part of the beauty of the meeting room is that you're not by yourself, mm -hmm. but also that you can be strangely honest about something that's deeply shameful. Mm -hmm. Racism is a shameful thing. The injustice that we've had in our country is mm -hmm. uh, it's awful mm -hmm. and continue to have in our country. Um, and yet, if you're going to undo that and if you're going to challenge yourself and one another to change the way we think and act and behave mm. and operate, then you have to be honest. Mm. Now, that that seems to fly in the face of the very nature of the thing we're talking about. And yet, and so you have to trust. You have to build a community of trust where you can say, actually, I still think like mm. that or I have still did this thing or mm. how oh, can I, I undo understand. it or I don't understand you. Yeah. Or what are some things, tools that we can have to undo this way of thinking? But also, the, the, like, how shame sometimes, mm. and I've watched it, um, how shame becomes the emotion that defines this mm. journey. Mm. Um, when it was only ever, if you're feeling guilty about something, shamed about something, mm. it's only ever used as an activator. We were never meant to live in no. that emotion. Um, and now that becomes overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, for, for some of our ladies. And is the barrier to why many people don't do mm. this because they deeply, somewhere in the back of your mind as a white South African, unless you're an absolute, I want to use the word idiot, how can you, unless you're so like blinkered, mm. how can you not know that there's something that needs to be done mm. or that has gone wrong or that you have benefit how can you and so i think a lot of people use shame and the uh, well not you yeah maybe they do it's a barrier to entering into mm. this um this conversation and this journey and this and in fact you and i have seen ladies who've dipped their big toe in and then retreated mm. because it's just mm. not the right time mm. it's too overwhelming mm. um or you know, they just can't cope with it. Mm. Mm. But, but I, I think the fact that we've seen um, honest emotions mm. amongst uh, the women in the meeting room shows that the the blinkers are off. Mm. So that is that's already leaps and bounds mm. ahead of other people. Mm. Um, and 
And I often have to remind myself that for white people who have been drinking, who have been, um, I want to say drinking the Kool-Aid, but it's not what I want to, who have been socialized mm. into a certain way of thinking, this must be um, almost a great undoing. And so it must feel quite burdensome. Mm. So I think on the one end, it's a good thing because it shows that that the narrative is shifting. But on the other end, I think it must it is quite mm. hard for, for yeah because you're left people. with the question, yeah. what must I do? Yeah, or why didn't I know? Which is um, and and if I look at I mean we spoke about this the way our city mm. is created. If we um, we were meant to, to live divided. Mm. So we were meant for not to know what's happening mm. in each other's spaces, you know, and for now suddenly, um, you know, to now fully be aware um, of what is happening in spaces. I think it's, it's quite hard. I think mm. when the light goes on, I think it can be quite hard mm. for, for some white people. Mm. I think it can be hard for people of color as well. The light's always been, I mean, you've always known, yeah. but it's suddenly... Like, how have you shown up in spaces, mm. and why have you shown up like mm. that? And so you you relearning how to show up as your full self, mm. you know, um, yeah. I, I think it's 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 not an easy. This is not for sissies. No. So I fully understand why people can't can't or why it's yeah. easier to opt out. And so I mean, we really have brave ladies. Mm. Um, in all fairness, the fact that they last week, learners, uh, listeners, learners, listeners, we went to the Desmond Tutu Foundation, and how many of our ladies we were about 15, mm. 14, 14 of us went. Mm. And I'm always it always humbles me. So mm. I must tell you because um. When you see women who are actually, well, let's do this, you know, and um, and then just like walking around experiencing this together, mm. because it's one thing experience on your own, but then to hear and to see how others, it does sense like we're experiencing this together, this whole community thing was quite a beautiful thing. Yeah. Mm. And if any of you haven't been to the mm. Desmond Tissue Foundation, we highly recommend it. Mm. It's, a, it's a well worthwhile visit, mm. especially for um, Christians mm. who are trying to figure out what was the role of the church mm. Mm. Um, in apartheid, and um, I think it's beautifully displayed mm. um, and explained mm. through um, the legacy of Desmond Tutu. Mm. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. Next question. What? How do you stay motivated <laughs> to persevere? I think we. Yeah. How do you? Um. I think that's where my idealism helps because I do have a deep hope that South mm. Africa can be a country that is um, at different. And we've experienced that. We, we've experienced change. I mean, mm. I think one of the things, I was in a, a transformation workshop meeting at our school and one of the things that someone said um, was that we need to celebrate the the things that are working, that are good, that have happened. Mm -hmm. And and that is the same for us in our country. I feel, you know, there's a lot of difficult things that we're having to face and grapple with as South Africans, um, and it looks different for everyone. But it would be very helpful if we celebrated some of the changes. Mm -hmm. And there have been 
immense shifts mm. in our in our country. I mean, just going to the Tutu Foundation and going back to the 80s and looking at what was going on then and obviously earlier than that, you realize, jeepers, there have been mm. massive, massive changes. Is that where we just want to stop? No, of mm. course not. So we, but using that as a catalyst for what could be mm. and understanding that that is messy and it's not going to be a straight line, but to not give up mm. as to, to find that hope. Um, and sometimes it means just finding hope in one person. Mm. So your example of Sinotando and Zanukanyo is the meeting those two women who run mm. those um, little safe houses or uh, orphanages, um, you know, absolutely mm. awesome uh, women who, against all odds, continue to be moms mm. for those children. Now, so that's a hope, like, oh my goodness, that is a little mm. glimmer of hope. Yeah. And there's countless little mm. glimmers of hope. So Haley and I went on a walk um, slash protest around um, uh, Woodstock with Reclaim the City and Ufunokwazi, I think they're mm. called. And it was looking at the land that has been earmarked or was a long time ago um, uh, by the local government for what they want to call, what they call social housing. And how mm. only one piece of the 11 pieces of land has, has been released by the local government and that whole story. Um, and what's happening with the gentrification and how people are losing their homes. Um, and so it's complex, it's involved, it's painful, it's also mm. hopeful. There's some little glimmers of hope there. Um, but so when we went around, that was it. Like listening to people's stories and seeing they were not defeated by the extremely awful circumstances that they were living in you still live every day and you still kind of fight the good fight and so that is that's you know sorry i just sorry on that, no no so, on that, so encouraging on that so the what that i said to karen that was that particular outing of ours was was both um made me sad angry and hopeful so mm. real mingle of of emotions mm. But what made me hopeful was seeing so many young people yes. and young white people, um, which, which, which for me was possibly an indicator that there's a lot more socializing happening mm. um, um, interracially, mm. and the white people are white youngsters are now realizing, mm. you know, what has happened in the histories and the family of possibly their friends of color. And they were there to support. Mm. And so I love that because, you know, whenever young people give up their Saturday, it was quite a long thing. Um, so that made me very hopeful. Like possibly this mm. is the South Africa that was imagined mm. when they spoke about this idea of a rainbow nation. Because mm. for that outing, I almost felt like, okay, so this is what it was meant to be. Mm. There were so many colors, you know, and gender mm. and mm. and age groups and mm. it just it was it was Lovely. a very beautiful picture it was like a snapshot mm. of possibly the vision that nelson mandela yeah. and desmond tutu had in mind and and also why they fought yeah. like they did um which is so interesting because i so i didn't grow up in cape town so i went and did a little bit of reading around woodstock and woodstock um and i think salt river for a 
I don't, it's not clear why, but they seem to escape um, the forced removals. Mm. And so, and which made sense because when we went on that walk and I asked that one woman that was walking next to me and she had lived here and she was telling me all about her house or whatever. And I, she was a, a person of color and I said to her, but how old are you? Mm. And she was 50 something, which is my age. And then I, but I said, well, what happened to you in apartheid? She said, no, I carried on living here. Mm. And I remember thinking, that's so weird. How did that work? Well, it worked because it escaped, Woodstock escaped the forced yeah. removals. So now that's very interesting because I wonder how much of that little community is so much stronger mm. because it did. Yeah. And then therefore it is a great reflection of, of for us. And also links back to what you said earlier on, which is how the spaces in, in Cape Town in particular still reflect um, apartheid design, spatial design. And Therefore, we don't know one another. Mm. So here's this little community where people were, you know, on this journey together, going to find out, going to learn, mm. supporting one another, you know, protesting together. Um, and yet you just step outside of that and we we tend to be very div- yeah. divided along colour lines, along wealth lines. But I, I liked, so I'm going to answer like what... Sorry. Made, no, no, what's, what, why am I motivated? So firstly, it was mm. that. But also... For me, that morning was an exercise of my democratic right mm. to protest. Um, and I think often people only see protest as violent. And and it's, that's not meant, it's, it's our exercising our voice to say we as citizens, local citizens of something, are unhappy about mm. something. Um, we're holding the local government, as we should with the national government, to account. How do we do that Mm. in protest? And the lovely thing about that protest, which I actually would want to encourage white people to do, is if we protest as a collective of races, we are so much stronger than if we are protesting as a race. Because the the powers that be then are forced to listen to us. Because... We're all now unhappy about something. And so I think it's a lovely way to be an ally. Yeah. Um, but so I loved that. On all accounts, so that that was a lovely snapshot. The other thing I wa- that keeps me motivated is to find those stories of hope. So a few months ago, remember the, the webinar that I attended? It was like a conference um, mm. where we had these young black entrepreneurs. Mm. And I just thought, mm. I don't know this. Mm. And two of these entrepreneurs during covid they were doing things in Kailicha and I think Lanka. And mm. I think, I don't know, this This, this is amazing. Mm. These young black men are, you know, making waves, using, we always talk about the youth as the future generation. Well, this is mm. what they're doing. So I, for me is to find those stories of hope. because mm. And also just to take media with, with a pinch of salt. Mm. So, you know me, I'm not a great, but for that very reason, is I don't want to be skewed mm. to only see mm. things as negative um, and things imploding, and yes, there are th- lots of things mm. that that we are not happy about. But also to see, like, mm. what are the things that that is good that mm. is happening? What are the things that gives us hope? Mm. And so for me, it's that's what motivates me, mm. especially young people, because I think I'm quite. I really do believe that they view issues and they address and process issues differently to mm. us, and we should actually give them more of a voice. Mm. Um, and if we educated our young people properly, if we mm. allowed them to exercise their voice, they possibly and they probably do have solutions of how we've missed things like mm. climate change mm. and everything up. Mm. And I just so for me, the young people, the youth always make me quite hopeful when I see that things are happening mm. despite 
So despite the challenges, despite not not necessarily mm. great, you know, educa- education system that prepares them for for life post school, um, they're still doing mm. things. I love that, and job. they're hopeful. Yeah, because I, mean, I mean, you can't. You're starting. If you're an entrepreneur, there has to be a certain level of hope and yeah. resilience in order to. I love that. Yeah, and um, Haley has been doing. We've been doing some posts on our um. Facebook and Instagram posts so you can follow the meeting room there if you would like to. And we were looking at women and we decided uh, to try and dig a little and find mm-hmm. some uh, women in the arts who perhaps we've never heard of, Hayley. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that sure. your, your and mandolin beams. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she was amazing. So exciting yeah. to see, yeah. once again, young people who are doing extraordinary things. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. the potential. Yeah. So for me, it's the untapped potential. Mm. When I, when I think of my journey in the meeting room, I mean, I've mentioned before, I I don't want to want my children to be having mm. the same conversations for my grandchildren. But more than that, I think there's untapped potential. Mm. And if if the sooner we we get this right mm. of of what this means to coexist as a South African collective, not as a you know divided collective. The sooner we can um, nurture this untapped potential in our youth. I mean, mm. what a, what an awesome country mm. this could be. And I mean, I guess to that end, one of the things that does give me hope is exactly what you're talking about. That in civic society we have a very strong ngo sector mm. that is doing amazing stuff with mm. young people old people uh, for re-education no matter what you call it there's somebody filling some gap somewhere um and those are things to be celebrated yeah. they are absolute joys to be celebrated yeah. and and i guess that brings me back to the meeting room because um you know this lady this group of ladies have have not they've they've also, we've also decided to contribute collectively mm. to, um, you know, some money every month, which is a great way of doing it. If if people are looking to support, you know, some mm. NGO or some they some work somewhere, do yeah. it as a collective, mm. um, or have a dinner party and invite people and just mm. do an evening where you, you know, contribute mm. five hundred rand, you know, mm. per person. And we always think, oh my goodness, like five hundred rand. Well. You know, you need to, if you start ca- tracking how much money you spend on an evening out or, mm. um, yeah. you know, a pair of shoes, or I don't mean to be funny, but people do spend money on, um, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Um, sorry, listeners, we're recording at my house. I have two crazy labs. And so you hear the barking, they're now trying to get them back into the behind closed doors. So I do apologize. That's so funny. Um, but but to your point, yeah, listeners, that's a very good thing. Not even five hundred rand. You know, if ten of you decide you're giving one hundred and fifty yeah. rand each month, at the end of the year, you'll be surprised yeah. of that's what, what you can do, and that's what the meeting yeah. room does. Yeah, totally. Last question, Karen. Okay, well, let me ask you, yeah. Haley. So, um, what advice would you give people of color who are friends, uh, or and who are obviously part of a white person's? Uh, anti-racist journey did i ask that question wrong no no that's exactly it okay what I, advice would you give i think to show up as your full self i know i've mentioned it earlier but and we spoke about this when we first started mm. of how people of color edit themselves whenever they find in, themselves in white spaces mm. and i do realize you know if you're at a dinner party you never know the people i mean there's always mm. the, the general i don't know who i am but i think 
to be, and it's something I'm learning, I haven't perfected to be unashamedly who I am. And so the fact that I love, I was going to say Gatsby, but I don't actually particularly like Gatsby. Um, but I love both um, the, the, the music of the District 6 and Guma, and I love opera. You know, so it's just be proud, not be the, be unashamedly who you are. Show up as your true self, um, because they they will then, if you are showing up as your true self, it makes them comfortable to show up as themselves with all their questions. Um, and yeah, just and and the other thing is, um, I think to have clear boundaries that you're not there to educate them so i mean you could read a book together and that's great but that it's a that there are discussions and deep conversation that happens um, and that it's not the burden doesn't fall on you so make sure your boundaries are clear um and then i think just realize that you're in it for the long haul because it's it's a we want to say it's not quite a it's, it's a linear but it's also a cycle cyclical um journey um in that you come back to things so, so you know you go forward and then it's like you go a circle around the same thing and then you're going forward and then there's a circle and so just to be aware of that um but having said that um the one good thing is that i think you would have a deeper more meaningful friendship mm. if you are because this is often the white elephant in the room mm. and excuse yeah excuse the pun and also to to make to invite them into your your space so that it's not just you know a white middle class space but to invite them into your spaces because it's only when we in proximity to each other that mm. that we can start challenging narratives we can be surprised by um things um, and then we can grow together. Yeah, you and I speak a lot about that eh? mm. in relationship with mm. one another. That's where the real work kind of solidifies, mm. Mm. and mm. you are changed. Yeah. Um, and 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 in relationship, I think which which would be my point is when we talk about equality, it's mm. in a relationship of of equality. Yes. Yes. So, so, yeah. so these words that we use like equality and transformation mm. and justice and they all have, in a sense, are loaded. Mm. Um, and so we have to say what we mean by them because they mm. actually are precious words. But also what do they mean for you as a person? Yes. Because So, you yeah. know, this, um, this notion, and so I'm going to use a word now um, which is speaking to white people uh, on this journey of, of anti-racism, which is which is overlaps exactly with what you're saying it's the, on the mm. opposite side so i'm going to use a word that people are uncomfortable with but it's the word whiteness mm. which means which doesn't mean being white mm. so there's nothing wrong with being white mm. i mean you often hear in the pushback against mm. this anti-racist conversation by um right wingers mm. they'll say you know we're being mm. targeted as white people you've been mm. made to feel um guilty for being white that is not true mm. that is that is not true. Mm. There's nothing wrong with being a white person. It's mm. how you were born. God mm. made you mm. a white person, for goodness sake. Mm. But unfortunately, as white people, we have something called whiteness, mm. which is kind of attached to us and seeped into mm. us. And it's it's the way we tend to show up, mm. I would say, predominantly, 99.9% mm. of us. Um, and um, 
And once you are alerted to it, then you can start to undo the work in yourself, which mm. is not easy. Mm. So one of the things is how do we create spaces um, as white people where I allow you, Haley, to be fully authentically yourself? Mm. So that's not to center yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's what you... That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's, it's, so whiteness is not the color. It's not a, no. it's not a, a description of color. It's, it's the creation through behaviors mm -hmm. and attitudes of an environment. Um, in South Africa, unfortunately, it's large, it's not just an environment, it is sometimes whole spaces. Yeah. Um, but it's it's where the sense you get that white is still very much right. So it's the so if you're wanting to be an ally, it's almost stepping back and letting someone else be the center and for them their behaviors mm -hmm. and attitudes also to coexist mm. i think it's that i mean mm. we're not it's the we, we try we eventually i mean i think the whole point of re reconciliation is coexistence in a very healthy way which means that we have to as white people do the work of mm. exactly i'm going to say it again because we need to hear this stepping back mm. not having the speak not speaking all the time not um so you can be there mm. it's not about not being there and it's it doesn't even mean that you might you may very well have something to say, but the question is, do you need to say it? Mm. Can't someone else have that opportunity? So, um, and I, mm. I see this again and again, and I see it in myself again and again. I have to check myself mm. because we, as white people, have always had the mic. We always want mm. something to say. We always have had the something to say. And creating a space of diversity means that we need to work hard at inclusion. Mm. Otherwise, it's not a diverse space. It's still a white space where, where we tokenize people of color and black people because then it looks like we're mm. diverse. But that's not true diversity. True diversity means everyone has a well, voice. Feels comfortable. And Everyone's welcome. Someone else yeah. is writing the music. Yeah. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? I've written the music as a white yeah. person. In fact, it's probably been a white man mm. who's written the music. And so now we're asking you, please, just let's step back. And I don't think it's a stepping back. For so, so I also have issues with, with people feeling like they're silenced forever. Um, I think it's the <laughs> make sure that every voice is heard in the room. And mm. sometimes if you feel that you are very wrong or that... You, not very wrong that you're not sure about something rather step back yeah well listeners um the two dogs are literally barking at the door um sorry i live in a very nutty house um that's what we always record at karen's house the dogs are slightly more well behaved um not really it has been fun yeah so um, much fun uh, you know it was i'm glad we had a chance to reflect i just want to say that one of the best things about the meeting room for me is having is doing this work with mm. Hayley like it's deepened our friendship it's like caused us to look at things in a fresh way and we don't always agree reflect no we don't mm. and to reflect on um our own personal mm. journeys which are are different and obviously but in a with an absolutely beautiful mm. other human mm. being Mm. You know, deep friendship. It's wonderful. Well, hey, we've moved, thank you yeah. for that. Well, we've, we've taken you know. the elephant out of the room, haven't we? <laughs> I mean, our elephant, I don't think he was ever in the room. Um, um, he so, was trying to come in. <laughs> yeah, but our opinions were keeping him out. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Okay. Yeah. Listeners, you. it's been wonderful. We hope you enjoyed um, this podcast. And we would love to hear about your um, mm. experience mm. with um, navigating your own anti-racist journey with friends or someone at work. So when we pop this onto our social media pages, please um, send us some comments. Mm. Um, we would love to hear from mm. you. Thank you. Till next time. Bye. Bye.